God does not place us on this planet without a purpose. Do you all agree with that? He's got a divine plan for each of us, but as we follow his direction, who knows, difficulties confront us. Is it all smooth sailing with God? No, unfortunately it's not. But having said that, many times we get discouraged and we lose heart, but with God we face obstacles we face obstacles as challenges. Each obstacle represents a challenge for us. And we can overcome that in his strength, not in our own. And so each challenge becomes a stepping stone for us, an opportunity where we can experience God's power and develop a strong faith to overcome obstacles. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you do give us challenges. And we pray, Lord, that uh, tonight, as we look at a, a specific challenge that your word tells us about, that we'll be able to take from that and understand that there is a way around things, that you provide the way. Lord, that uh, you hold the keys and all we need to do is tap into that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've started a series a few weeks ago, Pastor Ben started talking about new beginnings and tonight we're going to continue on that theme. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Joshua chapter 3. Is this working? It is on. There we go. Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground." There had been two spies that had been sent over to Jericho and they'd followed Joshua's orders to check out the land and the city and they escaped discovery with Rahab's help. Now they they gave their report to Joshua. Their hearts were bursting with joy as they said the words to Joshua. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting with fear because of us. Now this was the news that Joshua had been waiting for. So immediately he dispatched men throughout the camp of Israel, announcing that the first thing the next morning they'd break camp and pitch their tents on the banks of the River Jordan. They'd finally would come to the entry point of the Promised Land. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Chittim and went over to Jordan where they camped before crossing the river. But as they approached the Jordan, which formed a barrier to them crossing over into the promised land that they'd been told about for a long time by their forefathers, they, they were immediately confronted with a, uh, a, a, a river in flood. They were immediately confronted with something that is frightening. Has anyone seen a river in flood? 
It's a pretty frightening prospect, isn't it? A river in flood can be many, many times its normal width. If you, go, if you ever go to Manham and you visit the Hotel Manham, there's photos in there of the Hotel Manham during the 1956 flood. And the Hotel Manham's a two-storey building and there's actually photos of rowing boats tied up to the balustrade on the first floor because the whole bottom storey was inundated with water. That's how devastating a flood can be. There's stories of, of the River Murray when it was in flood of paddle steamers going across country because the water was deep enough. They'd lost the channel. They couldn't see it. So they would just go cross country and hope there was enough water. That's, that's how, how much water can be in a flooding river. So the Israelites were now at an impasse. They had a huge problem, do you think? It was a massive problem. And this was the site that greeted hundreds of thousands that had pitched their tents. Now just before that, just before they got there, I'm sure there was a great excitement because they'd heard for generations about the promised land. Some 40 years earlier, when they had left Egypt, they came across the Red Sea. And what happened there? God parted the waters and they crossed on dry land. Here we are 40 years later. Now, the young people of the day would have heard those stories. It would have been told around the campfires. It was part of their folklore. It was part of their upbringing. And, you know, they were probably thinking, oh, tomorrow we're going into the promised land that we've heard about for years and years. Some of them would have been born in the desert and that was the only lifestyle they knew. But when they got to the, the, the Jordan, that would have been a massive shock. Some of them may never have ever seen a river before, let alone one in flood. And it was frightening. Their initial reaction would have been to do what? Go back to where they had come from. Now, what happened 40 years earlier? What did the Israelites say when they were wandering around in the desert after leaving Egypt? They, probably, they, they did ask questions of Moses. Has the old man gone mad? Do you think they might have had the same thoughts about Joshua? As the old man lost his marbles. Now, why did he bring us here? Just to die? Who knows that when prisoners that have been in jail for quite some time come out, they often can't handle the society they come out into. So much so that sometimes they re-offend. Why? To go back to what they know. To go back to what they're used to. I'm sure the Israelites would have had similar feelings. They wanted to go back to the desert because they knew the desert and they knew how to live there. Now, what about moving forward? Fast forward to our time. How often do we make decisions and then think to ourselves about the consequences? How often do we decide to do something or go and do something and then think, I hope I've done the right thing here. What if I've done the wrong thing? Who's ever bought a house or a car? What do you think after you've signed the contract? That's called buyer's remorse. You think, oh, I hope I've done the right thing here. I hope I can afford this. I hope this is going to be all right. I hope the car's not a lemon. All those sorts, we all get them. In both 2006 and 2013, I took redundancy packages from my employment back then. So I was actually paid to leave. But I had these thoughts. Have I done the right thing here? Are we going to go broke as a result? Are we going to lose our house? 
Is this the right thing to do? Am I going to have to go and join the dole queue? All those thoughts went through my mind. All these things were possible consequences. And I had all these doubts. And I was thinking, have I got it all wrong? Now I'm sure the Israelites were saying, has Joshua got it all wrong? We'll get there. Now, it says in the Bible here in Joshua 3, 2, after three days the officers went through the camp. So that tells us that they had actually been camped on the, on the edge, not on the bank because the bank had disappeared, but on the edge of a flooding river for three days. They'd been there for three days. Now, during that time, can you imagine what the conversations would have been? They would have been thinking things like, well, the strong among us could get across, now, after all, the two spies had got across and got back. That's one thing. But here we've got a whole heap of other things. We've got the children. We've got the flocks. We've got the elderly. We've got the infirm. We've got all our possessions. How are we going to get that across here, across this river? It's too deep to walk. We can't even see the banks. We don't know what's out there. We don't know what hazards there are. We have no idea how we're going to cross the river. They would have been thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? We could build a bridge, we could build a boat. We could... They'd have been thinking all sorts of things. But the thing was that not many of them would have been thinking, well, God can do this. They probably would have forgotten about 40 years earlier when their ancestors were faced with crossing the Red Sea, the exact same prospect. They probably would have forgotten that because the reality, the horror of seeing a river in flood would have sunk in by then and it would have been giving them a hard time. Now, anyone ever heard of the before principle? The before principle. The before principle is at work every day. We, we face it every day. What it means is certain things have to happen before other things can happen. For example, there, have to be, there has to be challenges before success. There, ha there are struggles before celebration. There are travels before arrivals. There is practice before perfection. Anyone that plays a musical instrument, what do you got to do? Practice, 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 and then you can, you can say you can play very well. There is preparation before completion. There is study before graduation. And many times in scripture we see this pattern at work. The Israelites had to march to the Red Sea before God parted it. Naaman had to wash seven times in the water before God cured him of leprosy. Gideon had to reduce his army from 32,000 down to 300 before God would deliver them from the Midianites. The loaves and fishes were given up before Jesus could multiply them. Peter had to obey Jesus and row out into deep water before he caught a boatload of fish. Obedience has to occur before a breakthrough. Faith comes before overcoming what is seemingly impossible. The Israelites were about to embark on a new beginning, something new, something that they had never even dreamed of, something they had never known. I doubt that any of the people that had, uh, had been alive at the time of Moses, there were very few of them left. This is 40 years later. This is a couple of generations after that. They had to take a leap of faith before they could overcome a seemingly impossible task. 
they had a raging river, a torrent in front of them and they had to negotiate that. So who could maybe describe what a leap of faith looks like? Anybody? <laughs> this is a leap of faith. Yeah. Very scary. Very scary. Yeah, I'm really shaking here. It's going to work. I have faith. Where you can't see God, but you know he's there. That's a leap of faith. Yep. So sometimes in our life, we, we have to take a leap of faith. There's another one there, but look at it. Moving across the country. Well, there's a family there that did that, moved from Townsville to Adelaide and got jobs. How often are we in situations with God where until we take that leap of faith, we cannot see what we're letting ourselves in for? But it takes faith in God to know that he is there and he's not going to let us fail. God is leading us as a church on a journey of new beginnings. He has been bringing us through unprecedented circumstances. Now, you've probably heard that word a lot lately, unprecedented, like the Audi ad where they come down in the helicopter. You must have paid an unprecedented price in these unprecedented times. (laughs) But the reality is the world has been somewhere where it hasn't been before. But God has been there at the same time. And God has blessed us all the way, but he's not finished yet. We have experienced some new things over the past few months. We've done some things that we didn't really think that we ever would have to do, but we've done them because God has been there ahead of us. We need to be ready and confident that he has it all planned out. We need to take a leap of faith. There's a few promises that we need to hang on to. Now, is this going to work this time? Uh Aha, no. There it is. Okay, I, uh, they're all wrong. Oh, never mind. They're all right, but they're in the wrong order. Um, Isaiah 42 9 says, See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 1 Corinthians 1.27, instead God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Do you think crossing the Jordan was foolishness? Humanly, yes, but in God, no. And Luke 18.27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's easy for us to relate to the emotions and thoughts of Israel. Many of us face personal Jordans all the time in our lives that feel so permanent and powerful and devastating that we don't even try to make it across. Our lives feel stalled, stuck on the wrong side of God's promises. We read about the abundant life but we can't make it out of the wilderness. Anyone ever felt like that? Anyone ever felt stuck and thinking, well, God doesn't seem to be wanting to help me? You know, we can feel that way too and we can feel stalemated by the promise of something great with God but blocked with all kinds of barriers. There can be lots of things that can take us away from the Word of God. But when we obey God, we can turn an impossible thing into an achievement. The question, the big question that loomed over the camp of Israel and also over us today is, will we walk by by sight or will we walk by faith? Do we really believe that God can handle the impossible? You know, this COVID 
19 thing came as no surprise to God. He was not tested in any way. He did not have to dig deep into his toolbox to deal with that. He knew exactly what to do. The Word tells us that 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 which was meant for evil, God can turn to good. And he's done that many times over. And he's going to continue to do that. God was about to reveal the steps that had to be taken in every life and in every church. And if we're about to move from where we are to where he wants us to be, from being stuck in the past to marvelling at God's future, the experience and decisions described in Joshua were a major breakthrough for Israel and they are a major breakthrough for us as well. A whole new generation learnt about overcoming roadblocks and learnt that they depended totally on obedience and a leap of faith in God. We stand, church, today on the brink of a God-sized future and we need to consider the obstacles that hinder us and it can feel like we're facing an impossible chasm just like Indiana Jones faced or a raging river like the Israelites faced. But these things are no match for God. Our God is the God of the uncrossable. Is that a word? It is now. He knows how to overcome obstacles. He knows how to get across the chasm. He knows how to get across the Jordan. Folks, there might be some people here tonight that you feel like you're right on the edge of a chasm. There's a great big cliff which if you step the wrong way, you'll fall down. You might feel that way tonight. You might feel that there's a river in flood right in front of you that you can't get across. But that's not impossible for God. That's when God brings us to a point where he says, I can do this, you can't, but I can. So we need to trust in him. We've already had a prayer time a little bit earlier, but there may have been some people who either thought they didn't need prayer or didn't take advantage of that. Now is an opportunity for you to do that. God wants to do business with you tonight. God wants you to be able to bring your obstacles to him and for him to show you how to overcome them. He wants to be able to show you that if you take that step, he is there and he's not going to let you fall. He wants you to be able to rely on him and him alone. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're the God of the uncrossable. Lord, we thank you that you provide the path even when we can't see it, that you provide the means even when we don't know it's there. Lord, we know that you're the God who has promises and has plans for us and that you want us to follow those plans. Thank you, Lord. Perhaps keep your eyes bowed, uh, your eyes closed and your head